The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Start! You can call me Bruce. Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Bruce Exclusive. And you know what Friday brings to this podcast? It brings the hashtag Almighty Takes, and it brings the moment where we crumble people's cookies. Without further ado, with the upcoming, hopefully, get-right game for the Buffalo Bills against the New York Jets. Let's dive right in to your almighty takes. For those of you who are unfamiliar, you can send me your almighty takes on Twitter as a DM. You can hit me with a tweet, hashtag almighty take. You can hit me on an Instagram DM, or you can send me an email. I am brucealmighty at yahoo.com. For your almighty takes that are associated with the upcoming game, they must be a statement of fact that you believe to be true. I will put them in a probability bucket ranging from highly improbable to highly probable. Without further ado, let's dive right into it. Matt Robinson says, Josh Allen will have a game similar to his Titans game, but the defense stifles a terrible Jets offense. Bills win 28-7. Now, this is very important. You broke a cardinal rule, Mr. Robinson. The almighty take is not supposed to include a final score. But I will allow it this one time because it's strike one. Mr. Robinson, you are on thin ice. But strike one for you. I think in addition to this game being a possible get-right game for Josh Allen, it is a possible get-right game for the Bills' defense. Without Le'Veon Bell, the Bills have an opportunity to focus more on Jamison Crowder, who is the main source of the passing game for the New York Jets, and Sam Darnold coming potentially off an injury. At this point, it looks like he's going to be able to play. 
at the time of this recording, 8.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday, the 22nd. You are, of course, listening to it on Friday, not Thursday. But as much as this is a get-right game for the Bills offense, it's just as much a get-right game for the defense. So I actually agree with this. I do think that there's a chance Josh Allen trends back. He might not necessarily jump back to MVP Josh Allen, but certainly a trend up. In addition, I don't think he's going to see a markedly different defense than he saw week one. Greg Williams does what Greg Williams does. He's going to bring pressure. He's going to play man. He's going to hope his pressure gets there. So, Jedediah says, the Bills really needed that fumble. He is referring to the Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumble. That wasn't to be when Zimmer, defensive tackle Justin Zimmer, stripped the ball a little bit too late. He says, if they strip it 0.0001 seconds earlier, I think the Bills could have won. I agree with you. I agree that they could have won. I mentioned yesterday that as poorly as the Bills played on offense and as poorly as they tackled, they still had a chance to win that game late. And I think that's part of it. Sean Joyce says... Okay, for the Jets game, two almighty takes. Number one, Zach Moss proves he's healthy by bringing back the run game to go for over 100 yards. And number two, even with the lead and the Jets throwing, our secondary is able to keep the Jets under 160 yards passing and multiple turnovers. I'm going to go highly improbable for Zach Moss going over 100 yards because I don't think he's going to get the carries. I think Devin Singletary is clearly the guy in this backfield. And... Zach Moss seems to be the replacement for 2019's Frank Gore. And what I mean by that is when the Bills go I formation and power and they want to run the ball, the guy in the backfield is Zach Moss, which means he's running the ball into heavier boxes, which is kind of an innate deficiency. You have heard me talk before on this podcast that the number one predictor of how successful a run play will be is oftentimes not necessarily the talent of the running back. It is the number of people in the box. Now, obviously there are cases this year, Devin Singletary has run into light boxes just like he ran into light boxes last year, but he's not having an effect the way he did last year, mostly because the guard play has been less than ideal for the Bills. So the first one, I'm going to go highly improbable. The second one, I'm going to go somewhat improbable. 160 yards and multiple turnovers is kind of a jump for this defense. So... In addition to that, I think the Jets might be playing from behind and they're going to have to throw a lot. And the Bills have been known to call off the dogs and be a little bit more prevent style later on where people can get garbage time yards. I'm going to go somewhat improbable for take number two, highly improbable take number one. Rubiculous says on Twitter that their almighty take for the Jets game, Bills jump out to an early lead, allowing our running backs to get in a lot of work and get their first 200 rushing yard game together this season. I'm going to go highly improbable. I do think the Bills have a chance to have a much better running attack this week than they did week one and that they have over the last couple of weeks, mostly because Jets defensive lineman Steve McClendon is no longer there. However, jumping to 200 yards is a lot. You need a lot from your quarterback to get to 200 yards or you need ridiculous games from your running backs. And I just don't think that's who the Bills are at this point in their life cycle. So I'm going to go highly improbable with this. From your lips to God's ears, though, I'm, I wouldn't hate it. Christopher Nixon says, if the Bills had lost to the Titans 17-26 to 26, 
and the Chiefs 16 to 42, far fewer people would be hitting the panic button. That's his almighty take. This is a very, very interesting take, and I really appreciate you saying that, Chris. This is a scenario where you start to wonder why it is exactly that the panic button is being hit. Is it because of the score differential? Is Chris right? If we had just barely lost the Titans and if we got blown out by the Chiefs, would the fan base have felt differently about the team? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say this is highly improbable. And I think that's mostly because the reason why the fan base is getting out of sync is because their expectations got messed up by the first four games. When the Bills do well, nobody wants to hear about anything negative. I'll never forget last year after the Cowboys game. I was making a tweet about how I didn't think Cody Ford played all that well. And people were starting to get very, very angry at me. How dare I? How dare you, Bruce, put that negativity into the world? Because when they win, you don't want to hear anything as a fan that's negative. And when they lose, you don't want to hear anything that's positive. Well, that's not the way we do things here at the Bruce Exclusive. But I think that the expectations getting out of whack when the Bills jumped out to a 4-0 start Even though 4-0 start was expected by a lot of people based on who we were playing, I predicted them to start 4-0 as well. I also predicted them to start 4-2. So it looked different to us than we expected. We expected maybe Josh Allen takes a little bit of step forward. The defense continues its elite play. But because we got upended, because Josh Allen came out on fire and was a legit MVP candidate for the first four weeks of the season, that didn't end up kind of swinging us in a reasonable direction. As a fan base, we went off the deep end and people started yelling at me for daring not to say that Josh was unequivocally the guy because of how he's played. Well, now he kind of came crashing back a little bit and he didn't have a good game against the Chiefs and now people are jumping off the wagon and I'm just kind of putzing along right here in the middle going, yeah, it wasn't as good as it looked the first four weeks and it's not as bad as it looks now. I think it has more to do with Josh Allen than it does the score. And I think it has to do with qualitatively how we won the first score four games and qualitatively how they lost the last two. Andy Anderson says, here's my J-E-T-E almighty take. I see what you did there, Andy. Run defense appears to be fixed because no bell anymore. Josh Allen has the greatest statistical game ever by a Bills quarterback despite John Brown's nagging injury concerns. Big games by Diggs, Croft, Beasley, Yeldon contributes. Okay, well, 464 yards is what Josh Allen has to hit to beat Drew Bledsoe's record. I'm going to go ahead and go, I'm going to go ahead and go highly improbable. It's a bold take, Cotton. Let's see where it gets them. But highly improbable for me just because anything that is the best ever is always highly improbable. I do think Josh Allen can have a bounce back game. I'm expecting him to have a bounce back game throwing the ball, but it's too rich for my blood. Matt Hahn says, almighty take Oliver and Hughes each get a sack. Defense gets a pick on Sunday. I think this is somewhat probable. Oliver played really well against the Jets week one, and he's further removed from his injury. Jerry Hughes might not be in the best of moods after what's happened with the pass rush the last couple of weeks and the Jets offensive line can be can be had taken advantage of so 
especially if Joe Flacco ends up playing. I think Sam Darnold's going to play. But defense getting a pick Sunday, completely reasonable. I'm going to say this is somewhat probable, Matt. Aaron McDuffie says, I don't know if I have to submit this to the Bruce exclusive. Yes, you do. You did. But I'd love to hear a take on whether the Bills should play out of 20 personnel. I know Dable likes playing out of 11 and the pros and cons of doing so. Admittedly, I don't know the ins and outs of formations perfectly, but it's something I'm interested in understanding more. So 20 personnel, two running backs, zero tight ends. This would be essentially what people would refer to as 20 pony, pony backfield with two halfbacks. Typically, you don't go 20 with a fullback. Typically, when you do this, you're doing it with two halfbacks. So you're talking about Moss and Singletary. I think if Moss and Singletary were the types of threats that you could flex out wide and have them run routes like receivers, this would be a lot more viable for the Buffalo Bills. As it is, it does not appear that the Bills are interested in 20 personnel. So one of the joys of personnel grouping is that versatility gives you options. If you have wide receivers who can block, that helps. If you have tight ends who can run routes like wide receivers and also block, that helps. If you have running backs who can pass block, that helps. If you have running backs who can run receiver routes, that helps. The more versatile your offensive skill positions are, the more available you will be able to take when it comes to the flexibility that comes with personnel groupings. I don't think that Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, although I think they're both reasonable receivers out of the backfield, have the explosiveness that you would like to see in order to have them run routes the way that wide receivers do. In fact, Devin Singletary was so incredibly underutilized in college as a receiver that the Bills running backs coach had to go down there and work out Devin Singletary just to see if he could do it. So I think he's proven that he can be an asset in the screen game, and I think Zach Moss is that as well. But when you have 20 personnel, you need both your backs to be able to do Lots of things. You need him to be able to run block. So think of the famous play where Fred Jackson was the lead blocker for CJ Spiller. Think of that play. And that's when you go, okay, that's the type of versatility you need from your running backs to be able to pull something that off. I don't think the Bills have it. Big Bass says, Allen has a bounce back game, but one interception off of a tipped ball. Probably May will get it, but I won't guarantee that one. That's a very specific take. Big Bass, very specific take. Getting an interception off a tipped ball is not uncommon by any means. So I'm going to go, this is somewhat unlikely just because when you have a heavy pressure team and you have hot routes that are supposed to get the ball out quickly into the playmaker's hands and you have defensive linemen and linebackers that are trained to get their hands out, it's not crazy to get a tipped ball and get an interception. I'll go somewhat improbable. Then he says, Zach Moss gets his feet wet with a 65 yard day on 11 carries. That's somewhat improbable 65 yard might be a little high but 11 carries is probably reasonable motor doesn't have a bad game either with 13 carries for 80 plus yards again 80 plus yards for him 65 plus yards for zach moss you're looking around 150 yards of rushing i think it's too rich i just don't think it's who the bills are so i'm gonna go somewhat improbable with this one as well jathan says it's hashtag almighty take time bro who you calling bro chief who you calling chief, buddy? Who you calling buddy, pal? He says Oliver and Addison both have sacks. Trey White has a pick and Gabe Davis goes for 100 yards and a touchdown. Let's go. Now, we've established this previously on Almighty Takes 
that the more things you put into a take, the less probability it has of being true because you're essentially parlaying your almighty take multiple times over. So I'm going to say this is highly unlikely because in order for this to happen, Oliver and Addison both have to have sacks, not unreasonable. Trey White has a pick, maybe. Gabe Davis goes for 100 yard, probably not. And a touchdown, probably not. So you add all those things together, all of them have to be true. I'm going to say highly unlikely. Josh Allen Stan. I wonder what this take is going to be about. His almighty take says Josh has a big game. No. No. The guy named Josh Allen Stan said Josh has a big game. Nah. Throws for over 350 and scores at least two touchdowns. I think this is somewhat probable. Can you believe that? Bills fans, let's be optimistic for a minute. I know that things have been tough the last couple of weeks. I just had a take come across my desk that said that Josh Allen would throw for 350 yards and two touchdowns. And I was like, it's somewhat probable. We've seen Josh Allen throw for over 300 yards multiple times. He's thrown for over 400 yards and scored multiple touchdowns. I understand that Josh Allen's had a step back. That's true. But overall, in totality, he's still way better than he was last year. He's taken the next step. Let's be excited about that. He says the defense is able to force turnovers, giving them the confidence to rebound they so desperately need. Couldn't have a better team to play against after a tough four-week stretch. I agree. I will start to panic if the Bills look uncompetitive against the Jets. That's when I'll start to panic. Joey Hanover says, I have an almighty take, Bruce. You have come to the right place, Joey. Milano is our most valuable defensive player, even more so than Trey. Even with Edmonds being hurt, Locking Milano has been detrimental to the center of our defense. It has in times past, and it clearly did tonight. He was writing that at the time of the Chiefs game. Coverage was fine, except when there were suddenly free wide receivers and no contain on Mahomes. Pass coverage ability aside, Milano's sideline-to-sideline agility and instincts have always made up for a quarterback's ability to scramble and for a running back's ability to find a route. Lacking his presence on the field is a go-ahead for opposing offenses to blast us. I don't think this is an unreasonable take. Trey White is the best player on our defense. But that's not what he said. What Joey said was Milano is our most valuable defensive player. How do you define valuable? One of the hilarious things about the NBA MVP award is that it really doesn't go to the most valuable player. It goes to the player who had statistically one of the best seasons for a contending team. Because value, I would argue, is determined by ability over replacement. Trey White to Josh Norman is a heck of a drop. Trey White to Levi Wallace is an extremely high drop. Matt Milano to AJ Klein is a catastrophic drop. So I would agree with this take. I think this is a highly probable take. I think we've seen the value that Matt Milano provides to our defense. That's not me saying he's better than Tredavious White. This is me drawing a distinction between the word best and the word valuable. Trevor says, this is a speculative take, not particular to the Jets game, but I think you'll find it interesting. Trevor, I am ready. Tremaine Edmonds' development is being significantly stunted by world events in COVID-19. We all know Trey's instincts have been the slowest part of his game to develop. In order to develop your instincts or intuition, you need to become more comfortable. You need to ease yourself into your environment and understand it. You need to balance your emotions and you need to stay concentrated and you need to stay mindful. 
At 22 years old, Tremaine is the same age or one year older than many rookies in the NFL. At this age, you're only taking your first steps of finding your place in the world. Now, add on to that the COVID-19. Add on to that the political climate in America, of which Trey is placed somewhat in the midst of due to being in the NFL. Add on to that the rapidly changing world around us. Combine this with Trey's injury, the injury of Matt Milano, the injuries of other normally stadfast members of the defense, the regression of the defense that has been excellent for the entirety of his career, and we might start to understand why Tremaine is struggling with developing his instincts and playing poorly. His age during this period is exacerbating his biggest weakness as a player. I'm glad you brought this up, Trevor. I know that Tremaine Edmonds is making bad calls. I can watch him do it. He's making the wrong reads. He's a little trigger shy. It's leading blockers to get up on top of him. Now he can't shed blocks, but he couldn't shed blocks very well before. One of the things that's very dangerous that I hear sometimes people do is they start to really, really, really speculate about the mental well-being of players. And I try really hard not to do that unless I have cognizant evidence. Unless I have something I can actually see, I try really hard not to do that. I don't say by any means that this is not possible, that what you are describing to me is not possible. I just refuse to go down that road because I don't want to start to speculate on things like that. Now, you mentioned this is a speculative take, and that's why I'm really glad you brought it up because sometimes this starts to go into our mind, like what's going on with Trey? Is something going on? Maybe. The answer is always maybe. And I don't dismiss the mental and cultural aspect of the game by any means. I never have. I think culture is a real thing. You know me. I'm a very analytical guy. But I believe culture is a real thing. But I think that speculating on the mental health or the reason why Tremaine Edmonds is missing reads gets into a really dangerous spot. And I think it's pretty irresponsible of me to talk about it. So I'm not going to. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be irresponsible. I I take this very seriously. I obviously really have fun doing this podcast and I'm silly and you'll hear me sing sometimes and make stupid jokes about horror movies and things like that. But I take the work seriously. I just don't take myself very seriously. And I'm really, really glad you brought this up, Trevor, because you're not going to hear me do it. If you want to have somebody more qualified do it, then there, by all means, let's do it. But I'm not going to do it. Atharp says, Almighty take, the Bills only draft quarterbacks with two first names, Jim Kelly, Josh Allen, and avoid quarterbacks with initials, J.P. Lossman, E.J. Manuel. Yeah, as a good rule of thumb moving forward, we should only draft people with two first names. If Josh Allen busted out, we should trade up and draft Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Two first names. Cole McGarvey says, what do you think is the biggest reason our run game struggles sometimes? Could it be the smaller defensive tackle types we have? Without star, we really have a lot of three tech type players instead of plug the hole, very solid base, one tech type players. I do think that the loss of star matters from a run defense standpoint, though the run defense has been better against the Raiders and it was better against the Titans. It just wasn't good against the Chiefs. We talked about it yesterday. Why it wasn't good, we specifically said that the defensive game plan was not for it to be good. They knew they were going to see that stuff. They made that concession to the other team, being the Kansas City Chiefs. 
I do think we missed star for sure. But I think that there's an opportunity at the trade deadline to look that place to try and plug that hole. But I don't necessarily know if we're going to make any moves. I think that it's interesting to see, you know, the Butler-Zimmer combination. Joe Biscaglia of The Athletic wrote about it, that when Butler and Zimmer were on the field together, the average yards per carry for the Chiefs was 1.6. And let's see what the run defense does when they're not having that particular game plan against the Chiefs. We did a pretty good job limiting Henry. We did a pretty good job limiting Josh Jacobs. I'm not panicking on the run defense. I'm panicking a lot more about the pass defense. BJF181 says, new nickname for Mega Josh, Josh Odinson. I always appreciate a good Marvel Cinematic Universe reference. I'm always here for that. I will never turn away from a good Marvel Cinematic Universe reference. We are going to take a quick break. We are going to come back. We are going to crumble the cookies of the New York Jets. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. We went through the almighty takes. I would argue they were the almightiest of the takes we have had thus far. And we're going to touch on some quick hitting strategies against the New York Jets in a segment we call Crumbling Their Cookies. First thing, if you recall week one against the New York Jets, the quarterback run game was a big part of that, and I defended that game plan, saying that I'm not going to smash my head against the wall if I know it's not going to work. This week, maybe the quarterback run game won't be necessary. Week one, Josh Allen was credited with 14 carries. Two of them were kneel downs. And he was the most effective rusher we had. There was one thing that was different week one. The Jets don't have Steve McClendon. They could be a very different team against the run. This is going to be the first game for the Jets without Steve McClendon. And they're going to have new rotations to deal with. They're going to have new responsibilities up front. Let's give it a shot. Let's see if we can run the ball with the running backs more effectively than we could week one. I'm never going to advocate pounding my head against the wall if the running game isn't working. So if it's not working, fine. Go back to doing the things that you do. But it doesn't hurt to test it out to see if we can get into more meaningful short yardage downs. I'm a big fan of throwing the ball on first down. But if it's second and four, sure, let's give it a shot. Let's see if we can pick it up on the ground, which makes things easier for the passing game. The second thing is that you have to understand that Greg Williams is going to do what Greg Williams does. And if you want to get back to Mega Josh or Josh Odinson, as was previously referenced in our Almighty Take segment, I think you have to expect that you're going to start seeing the same pressures you saw from the Chiefs and Steve Spagnuolo. Spagnuolo and Greg Williams are both blitz-happy defensive coordinators, and you have to know where your answers are. 
early in the year, the answers were in the intermediate and deep part of the field, and Josh Allen did well. Now, the answers might be short. And Josh Allen's going to have to make quick decisions. He's going to have to get the ball out of his hands. And he's going to have to beat the blitz with his arm. He has a tendency to try and run out of trouble and then recalibrate and throw the ball down the field. And that's not always the best way you can do it. First off, you might not be able to get out of trouble with your legs. And second off, you might not be as effective with the answer because in the time it took you as a quarterback to escape pressure with your legs, the coverage has now rolled in the direction that you are rolling, limiting your options when you get your head back downfield. Beat the blitz with your arm. That means that Cole Beasley might have to be a bigger part of what we do. I'm sick and tired of seeing the Bills open it up with Cole Beasley in the second half. Especially if John Brown's going to be hurting, Cole Beasley needs to be the 1B to Stephon Diggs's 1A. Sure-handed helps move the ball. Cole Beasley game, screen game, find the answers against the pressure. The last thing I want to talk about with the Jets game is that even though Le'Veon Bell was not overly effective player when he was with the Jets, he was still someone you had to be worried about. Arguably the biggest and best Jets play, aside from the blown tackle by Tremaine Edmonds, which led to a Jamison Crowder touchdown, against the Jets week one, was a Le'Veon Bell diving catch running down the left sideline. Le'Veon Bell's not walking through that door anymore. He's with the Kansas City Chiefs now. That means there's no excuse to not have effective defense on Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder in an Adam Gase offense gets a bajillion targets a game. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Taron Johnson has not been playing overly well this year. So because of that, and because you know you have one less offensive weapon to deal with from a Jets perspective, there's no excuse. You need to be bracketing Jamison Crowder in coverage specifically on third downs. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. I flew through this. I probably talked a little faster this pod than I have historically talked because I was trying to get through all the almighty takes and I am exhausted. I am so tired. It's 9.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I worked all day. I came home. I recorded a 90-minute pod with a different entity earlier this evening and then I had to jump into this pod and I had to write my article and I'm exhausted. So maybe I get a little uh, slap happy when I get exhausted. I probably stumbled over some words, but I appreciate you being here. And I appreciate you joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive. And until next time, hopefully the next time we talk, the Bills will be 5-2, and two, and we'll be saying to the Jets on Sunday, well, folks, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan. Buffalo Rock.